Happy Friday afternoon, everybody. If you're like me, you are glad it is the motherfucking weekend. And hey, uh, we're the week after a pay-per-view card overall. Pretty decent card. I won't get into all the, you know, all the stuff with it. You probably heard plenty of people do that, so we won't spend much time on that. But it is a pretty good week. Uh, you know, one of the main things I do, I do make some other bets, uh, which I put up on BetStamp. But uh, main thing I do is put out a, a regular ladder parlay and then a long shot ladder every week. Last week was pretty good on the regular ladder parlay. Uh, hit all but one of the legs and went up 37.64 units. I did say on Twitter I hedged 10 units on Gagey um, in the last fight just because I did not want to end up going negative if he somehow won. So I ended up 27.64 units on that one. Long shot parlay was up 1.48 units. But if uh, Ivanov had won inside the distance, would have been up over 100 units on that one. So I had five out of the top six right. Just needed that one more. But hey, that's how it goes. Really, the hope with the long shot is that can hit like half of it or the, the dream would be someday to hit all of it like once a year and it'll pay for itself. And with the regular one, we want to hopefully tread water at least most of the time and then have weeks like last week where it pops up a little bit. You know, that's not going to happen every week, but we're going to take those shots because you never know for sure which week it'll be. So going to get um, into these fights. Just a reminder before I jump into this that uh, I absolutely, I'm doing more and more research every week, actually getting a little bit more into capping UFC myself. However, there are a lot of people out there who know a lot more about mixed martial arts, who have been doing this a lot longer, who know the fighters way better, who have their processes down. And I really respect all those guys. And I listen to a lot of them every week. And so well, I'll share a little bit of kind of what I think here. A lot of this stream or podcast, whatever, depending on how you're watching this, um, a lot of it is just spending the time listening to 10, 15, 20 hours of content so that if you don't have time to, you can kind of get an overview of what the people who really know what the hell they're talking about are saying out there this week. Um, also, I know that um, I'm moving everything over to YouTube. The main reason I'm doing that is because interaction could be better. So if you're new to this, please do subscribe so you know when the next videos are coming out. It won't all be UFC. Also do some MLB videos with Bet Crushers and, you know, that was doing basketball every day. So there will be other content over time. But please do hit that subscribe button. Uh, hit the like. Um, on, on Twitter, I just can't get the, the same interaction. So even though I know the numbers will be lower over here for a little while, I feel like in the long run, it's going to be more worth it because I want to be able to get that interaction with people. All right. All that said, uh, let's jump into the UFC roundup for UFC Vegas 54. First fight up is Maximov versus Petrosky. This is interesting. A lot of people have said this, but Maximov going from a co-main event to the curtain jerker on a, a UFC Vegas card. So it's kind of interesting. But uh, as I go through these fights, I'm going to try to break it down into four. I'm not going to fucking try to. I'm going to break it down into four categories. The first of which is just to try to give you an overview of what everybody's saying. So the key talking points from the cappers that I've been listening to or the analysts or whatever. So on this fight, number one, it's that Petrosky gasses after one round, that he is a high-action fighter. 
really actually decent wrestling, decent striking, all of that, but he can only really do it for one round before he falls apart. On the other side, Maximov is a relentless wrestler, goes for tons of takedowns, doesn't get deterred if he if he doesn't get a couple of them. And that based on this style, it doesn't necessarily look pretty, but it does tend to win rounds and ultimately tends to win fights. The other thing everyone's saying is one way or another, they're saying the words Diaz brothers. If you don't know, you probably know. Maximov uh, trains with the Diaz brothers, and so I don't think anyone can actually talk about him without referring to the Diaz brothers in one way or another. So I got to say it on, on this show. If everybody else says it on theirs, right, I can't be the only one that doesn't do it. So that's kind of what people are saying about this fight. And again, I'm going to try to keep these things relatively short. I just want to try to give you a fairly quick overview uh, of what people are saying. In terms of outliers on this one, there were one or two people who said they believe Petrosky has better striking and that he can hang wrestling. And so uh, he did go to a decision and a grappling match recently with uh, Phil Rowe, I think it was. So, uh, you know, if he shored up that cardio at all, there are a couple who believe that he could hang in this fight, that he has the skills to do it. He just doesn't have the cardio to do it. Third category I'm going to talk about is what are the consensus picks for this fight? The consensus pick here is Maximov. However, this is going to get me off on a little tangent. So if you're watching the playback of this and you don't like tangents, skip ahead about one minute. That's probably how long it'll take. This is a fight where I can't tell you how many times this week I've heard people say something like, man, I love Maximov here. I think he's just in the long run. He's going to have the more relentless wrestling. He's going to be able to put it on him and pull away. But this line is just too wide. It's just too wide, so you can't bet it. So I have an issue with that line of reasoning. So number one, if what people mean is, I'm super confident Maximov's, or not, I'm super confident. I believe that Maximov has a way better skill set and is likely to pull away and win this fight easily. But I'm not super confident in it. There are still holes that I wonder about. And so I feel like with a line, because the line is up near minus, I have to look, minus 400 maybe or something. Whatever. For this discussion, it doesn't even matter what the line is. It's minus 350. That's just, I'm not confident enough to bet that line. Okay, I get it. That's cool. But if what you mean is, uh, I believe that Maximov should be a minus 400 favorite. He's minus 300, but that line's just too wide. I, I can't take it. Then the line isn't too fucking wide. The line is actually right or in your favor. What you're saying is something like, I won't take bets that are over a certain level. And I get it because I won't. If it's over minus 200, I'm not betting it. It doesn't even matter how confident I am. So, um, and maybe that's stupid. The, the value people will come after you for stuff like that. The value police. But anyway, that whole, I wish people could stop saying that. Either just say you're not confident enough or whatever. But if you really think he dominates, then minus 350 isn't too wide. If you, if you thought it was too wide, you'd go bet the other side. That That's the way that is. So um, I'm probably nitpicking. Whatever. These kind of things work me up over the week. So anyway, consensus pick here is Maximov. But most people would say they're not betting it. My take in terms of picks is I may go small on Maximov round three. Um, if Petrosky still has these issues with gassing, Maximov isn't necessarily uh, focused on putting people away, but I think that he could do it. If Petrosky gets really gassed, it maybe is even Maximov round two. Also, we'll consider betting Maximov live. If Petrosky does dominate round one, that's the way that I would be more likely to bet this. 
And then for parlays, I'm considering fight doesn't go the distance. Um, again, partly believing Petrosky either gets him out of there in round one or at some point Maximov is able to finish him down the stretch. Um, I will also consider Maximov straight up or Maximov sub for long shot parlays. All right, I won't. I'll try not to do any more tangents so that we don't go too long here. That's the first one. Next up, we have Tyra versus Candelario. This is a fight that is happening that was supposed to happen two weeks ago. Candelario pulled out with an illness, and they've rebooked it. All right, what everyone's saying on this one, same thing they said two weeks ago, which is basically Tyra's from Japan and is unproven. He's looked really good on the regional scene footage, but the regional scene is not very strong, so it's hard to know how much faith to put in that. Candelario is a two-time gold gloves winner, so he can definitely box, and he hasn't been submitted, so he's really looked pretty good on the ground. Also, Candelario could be coming into this fight undefeated. He had a very close split decision against Altamirano, and some people feel, like every split decision, whoever you had money on, you think won. But it was a, it was a split decision, so it was a close regardless. Um, and that's his only pro loss. So Candelario... Uh, very likely has had the better competition here. Tyra looks better on tape, but if it's against guys that aren't very good, then what does it really tell you? In terms of outliers on this flight fight, there really aren't many. Um, people fall in line with those talking points, and that's about it. Consensus pick on this one is Candelario. Almost everyone has taken the dog shot here. Some people are staying away, but it is pretty consistent. In terms of my take or picks for this fight, the, the one thing that sticks out to me is that it's a little weird that um, everyone I listen to, I mean, I'm serious. I haven't heard, I've heard one person, maybe one person say they think Tyra has a higher upside, but that's the closest that anyone I've listened to has come to saying they think he actually, he actually wins this fight. And so everybody is saying, especially at this price, you got to take the dog shot on Candelario. And at this point in their careers, he's probably the better fighter. Well, then why the hell did this? So when it reopened, it, re, it reopened at 195 plus 195. I hear everyone talking about Candelario and now he's plus 210. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, line movement like that is super suspicious to me. That being said, uh, because of the overwhelming consensus and the fact that those lines of reasoning do make sense to me, I will probably have a half unit on Candelario. At plus 210, I feel like that's worth a dog shot, but I'm not going to be going big on it um, because that kind of sketches me out with the way the line has gone. In terms of parlays, I'll probably first be looking at overs. Um, you know, sometimes I can use an over one and a half, over two and a half. And then for the long shot, maybe Candelario decision, uh, potentially as a long shot. Next up, we have Verna, Jandaroba, and Angela Hill. In terms of what people are saying on this one, uh, again, pretty universal in terms of the take here. Jandaroba is a far better grappler, really great jujitsu player. Angela Hill is pretty good on her feet. She's the queen of losing split decisions. Uh, she tends to keep fights close, but can't get over the hump with actually winning them. People do believe that Hill should be a little bit better on the feet here. The the extent to which she's better uh, varies from, from person to person, but pretty much everyone agrees that the advantage would go to her there. Absolutely everyone agrees that Jandaroba is better on the ground. Um, and so most people believe if it does go to the ground that Hill will probably get subbed, especially if there's enough time left in a round for Jandarova to work for a little bit. 
In terms of the outliers on this on this fight, there were actually a couple people who believe that Hill can stuff the takedowns, that Jandaroba is a great jiu-jitsu player, but is not great at wrestling. And so there, there were a couple people who are actually skeptical that this fight is ever going to get to the ground for any extended period of time or in any kind of good position. There were also a couple people who believe Jandaroba's hands are, are much improved and that she's not going to be totally out of it on the feet, that she could hang. Um, but yeah, well, I was going to say personally, I don't know that the case is very strong for that, but I'm just telling you what the outliers were and what people have been saying here. So that's sort of the consensus here is, you know, if it stays on the feet, probably Hill by decision. If it goes to the ground, probably Jandaroba by sub. That's the overview. In terms of consensus pick, it is Jandaroba, Jandaroba sub. That's pretty much what everyone is playing on this, though maybe with a little less confidence than some of the other fights. In terms of my take and picks, eh, probably should have done a little more looking into this, but I actually played Hill at plus 150. Was it 154 that I got her at? It's up to 160 now. And I just did a half unit. It wasn't like I was super strong on it, but I think Hill is a pretty decent fighter. And I, I do understand that her ground game is not good enough to hang with Jandaroba, but she's very athletic. And I just wonder if, as long as takedowns happen in a way where she doesn't get in a bad position right away, if she could get up once or twice, and if she can stuff some takedowns, she's done okay with that in her career. If she can keep it on the feet, I really think she can win this fight. So anyway, I don't feel strongly about it, but I did take a half unit there. And then in terms of the parlays, I will be looking at the overs for this fight. The, the one issue there is just if Jandaroba does happen to get Hill down, especially, you know, in that first round or under one and a half, two and a half, whatever it is, uh, she could get that sub and then it could go under. But I think that this fight is much likely, more likely to go over and even go to the distance than it is to go under. So I'll look at that for parlays, but definitely haven't locked anything in there yet. Next up, we have every analyst and capper's least favorite fight of the card. Michael Johnson versus Alain Patrick. Basically, uh, if I had to sum up what everyone's saying about this fight, it's no one should bet this. It fucking sucks. That, that's pretty much the consensus on this one. However, there are some other key things people say. So Johnson beat Ferguson, Lozon, Barbosa, Poirier, and Feely, but lost to Guida, Tiago Moises, and Stevie Ray. And those were in his last... Uh, three of his last four fights. So basically he's skilled, but very untrustworthy. He's beaten some of the best guys in the division. Uh, he's lost to some people you shouldn't lose to if you're really good. On the other side, Alon Patrick is not all that skilled and he doesn't like to be hit. He pretty much quit in his last fight and he might do it again. If he can get Johnson, if he can't get Johnson out of there early. So basically people don't trust either side here. They trust Michael Johnson even less because the only thing that I hear people talking about here in terms of a bet is taking a dog shot on Alon Patrick, but the vast majority, 80% plus, are just taking a pass on this fight completely. I'm going to go a little different direction, and I, I think it's probably because I'm a little newer to MMA, though I did see Johnson's fight against Guida. I am aware of the ways he shit the bed in recent times. I'm aware that if he gets into a grappling situation, he's probably in trouble. But I'm still going to lean toward Johnson at this. I mean, if he was minus 300, then I would not. But minus 150, uh, and let me make sure that's still, minus 144 now. I just don't think it's that bad. I mean, in Johnson, you have a guy who 
since the last three losses, he lost to Emmett, Elkins, Gagey, Khabib, Nate Diaz, and Benil Dariush. Most of those are not bad losses. I mean, maybe you should say he should be able to beat Elkins, whatever, but all those are really solid fighters. And so he's had some really terrible losses recently, but he's got huge wins. And most of his losses are to really good guys. I do understand that he's getting older, but so is Patrick. Now, it is the smaller octagon here, so maybe that favors the better grappler, which uh, Michael Johnson is not. But this just feels like a fight to me where the skill discrepancy is probably pretty wide between these two guys. And in another world, I know we're not in another world, the multiverse, you know, well, we haven't proven it, right? We're not in the multiverse. So Johnson has sucked. That's been true. But in another world, in some of these fights where he's hurt people, this guy ends up being like a, a top guy in the division. So um, I just think his skill set is way up there. And this is a kind of really discounted price because of how everyone is off of him. So I'm not necessarily going huge here. That's not what I'm saying. But I will probably have I haven't played it yet. I, I feel like the line might keep coming down. So I probably will have some kind of play on Michael Johnson. I'm also going to look at Johnson KO and KO1. I'm also going to look at fight doesn't go the distance. The fight doesn't go the distance to me feels a little safer because I do think Johnson can knock him out. But if Patrick somehow gets it to the ground and gets good position, he definitely might sub Johnson. I mean, um, it, that's not going to be a shocker. So uh, everybody says if you're going to bet this fight, it's a 1-800 gamble. Oh, I can't tell you how many people I heard say that this week. Another one of my favorite things, if you can't tell. So call the number on me, whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, I think this is an okay spot. You just have to understand if you're going to bet this. Michael Johnson absolutely shits the bed plenty of times, and you have to be willing to take that risk. That's why it's betting. That's my soapbox. All right. Next up, we have Vivian Ruggio versus KGB Lee. With this one, again, pretty pretty much consensus, though people are ending up in different places for the actual bets, but I think most people see the fight going similar ways. What they would say is Arugio is strong, big for the weight class, uh, able to be powerful, uh, powerful with takedowns, um, be more physical than her opponent. But at the same time, she does tend to gas out, so she probably has about a round and a half. And the question is, can she get position and control Lee for enough of the first two rounds to be ahead and then cruise to it or not cruise to, but survive to a de decision win. Um, also, Arujo has an advantage on the ground until she gets tired. What people say about Lee is that she's pretty good everywhere and has really been improving and coming into her own. So a lot of people are really high on her and the trajectory that she has right now. And also that she'll have, well, most people would say a pretty significant advantage on the feet. I will say an outlier on that one is I've heard a couple people say that they believe Arujo has the, the power advantage on the feet. And so while Lee will have more volume, which helps you if you're going to decision, Arujo has more of a chance to land something really significant and actually hurt Lee than vice versa. So those are those are the main takes. In terms of other outliers, uh it's been pointed out Arugio's only losses in the last four years are to Chikagian and I, both via decision. Um, and both of them have proven to be good fighters in the division. We're going to talk about Caitlin Chikagian here in a little bit. And so some people believe that her record and who she's fought 
are not being considered strongly enough and that this is actually a step down in competition for her. In terms of consensus picks here, it's KGB Lee, though definitely not 100%. I would say that that is, uh, you know, 65% plus are taking Lee. And then some people are looking at a uh, round three or decision on Lee as well, as they do believe Arujo will be strong in the beginning of the fight. So for me, in terms of how I'll bet this, um, in terms of straight bets, I think the only thing I'll consider is a live bet on Lee if it does look if there are signs that Arujo might be gassing after the first round or potentially after the second. Though I don't want to have to to uh, count on Lee getting Arujo out of there. So I'll look at that after round one, probably my only straight bet here. But then in terms of parlays, I'll I'll look to the over here. The lines I'm guessing are going to be too wide for me to even be able to use them in parlays. But uh, I may also look at fight goes the distance. Uh, those are probably the main things that I'll be looking at. Again, I kind of get through tonight and and make most of those bets tomorrow morning, most likely. But that's where I'm at on this right now. Next up, we have Hadley versus Nascimento. What everyone's saying on this one, Nascimento is part of Charlie Olive's crew. So because Charles Oliveira is good, Nascimento must be good. People don't say it quite like that, but it is amazing how many people mention that, <laughs> that that could have something to do with anything. Uh, I guess maybe if they, if they, if they practice together, it's a, it's a solid practice partner. Other than that, Nascimento has a better sub game, likes to be on a playoff of his back, and maybe doesn't work hard enough to get up, which could be a problem against Hadley. Hadley's strength is that he can wrestle, and he can just lay on people and grind out decisions for the most part. Um, also, Hadley is kind of a darling. As you can tell by the line, he is minus 220, so he's a pretty big uh, favorite here for someone coming in off contender series. In terms of the outliers, I have heard a couple of people say they believe that Nascimento is equal or better as a striker, can really handle himself on the feet. So they believe if he can keep this on the feet or even if he gets taken down, if he's able to use his submission attempts to get back up, that he's got a great chance to win this fight. Consensus pick here, absolutely Hadley, Hadley by decision. The basic arc of this breakdown on most shows that I've listened to this week is... They talk about all the reasons that Nascimento is live here as a dog, and then they pick Hadley to win, and then and Hadley by decision. Again, not everyone. This is the, the, the consensus or the majority. So there are some who have gone with Nascimento. For me, uh, I'm going to rest here on the fact that Nascimento has more experience in the actual UFC, that uh, he's had two really good fights so far, even though he's 0-2, and that we would not be getting this price if he had won even one of those fights. So I think we're getting a deal. I uh, Hadley may be everything that people say, but when I hear everybody talk about Hadley, I come away being thoroughly uninspired. Very, I haven't heard anyone this week who has talked about Hadley and I've just gone, oh shit, this guy must be good. It's more like, why is this dude a favorite again? So maybe I'm going to learn that on Saturday, why he's a favorite and why he's awesome. But that's just not what I hear when I hear people talk. So I'm going to take the dog money shot on Nascimento. I will look at maybe taking him by sub in terms of the parlays. I'll look at overs here. I do, I do see why it would be really solid for this to go over one and a half at least, potentially to even go to decision. And then for the long shot, I'll probably look at Nascimento, possibly by submission or decision, depending on what the numbers look like for that long shot parlay. Next up, we have 
Camacho versus Torres. On this one, the takes are very similar. Again, there's not much tape to study for Torres. He tends to come out of the gate hard, but um, even his contender series fight, I think, went two minutes or something, so there's just not much to look at. On the other side, Camacho has been competitive with really good people. Everyone will talk about how he got knocked out by Justin Janes, but they also do go through the list of uh, really good fights that he's had in the UFC and that, UFC and that he's a, a really solid, serviceable UFC fighter. So he's going to have a lot more experience in this one. A lot less breakdown from most people on this one. Not really any outliers. That was basically the gist of it from most people. Consensus pick here is either a pass or Camacho, with I would say the majority taking Camacho. For me, I'm going to go along with that. Camacho's an underdog. Let's see. He's at plus 112 still right now. I think that's a good look. Another guy coming off the contender series uh, who we don't know much about. I'll take the shot on Camacho, who's got lots of experience. I will also consider looking at Camacho KO. And I do think there's a decent chance because of people who, how they talk about Torres coming out quickly and Camacho being knocked out in the past, that maybe that's the win condition for Torres. So for the parlays, I'll probably look at fight doesn't go the distance as well. Four fights left on this UFC Vegas card. Next up, we have Caitlin Chukagian versus Amanda Hibas. What everyone is saying on this fight, death, taxes, and shook by decision. It's basically it. Uh, if you tune into a show, I mean, I, it's another one of those I got to say because everybody says it. Chukagian does just go to decision. There's a reality there. There's a reason people say it because it's pretty much every time. People also talk about how Chukagian is one of the better fighters in the division. Not on Shevchenko's level. Up, you know, nobody is, but but strong and solid and uh, like number one contenderish. And so um, this is a, a woman who comes out here and gets, gets wins for the most part. Also heard a lot of people talk about her sitting down on her punches more in the last couple fights, believing that she's trying to put a little bit more power behind them because it might be wearing thin with the UFC that she just kias a lot and hits air and then also hits people sometimes and just, you know, points her way, is, way to a decision victory every time. Um, and so maybe she's trying to put a little bit more oomph into it. It's funny, pretty much every breakdown also talks about how the fact that this is in the Vegas octagon will emphasize her kias and maybe uh, get to, it's funny that uh, maybe judges are affected by that. It's, it's funny to think that the judges would be affected by how loud of a noise you make, but that seems to be a thing that people think will happen. Also, people say that Hebus is moving up a weight class here, and most people do not think that that is a good idea for her, um, that she needs to be able to get some control, and at this weight class, she's probably not going to be able to do that against Shukagian. So the outliers here are really the only one is Shukagian might KO her um, because Hebus is smaller, and Shukagian apparently has been trying to punch harder lately. Uh, lately. But the consensus is Chukagian and Chukagian by decision. My take here across the board, this feels like a strong take from everyone I've listened to. Um, this feels like one of the strongest spots on the card for me based on what I've looked at, but probably even more based on what people are saying. And so I really, you know, it falls in line with everyone else, but I like the overs here. I like Chukagian and I like Chukagian by decision. Next fight up we have... Dangerous Davy Grant versus Smolka. 
pretty consistent takes on this one as well. Everybody believes that Davy Grant is the better fighter at this point in time. Everybody brings up that Smolka used to drink a lot. Uh, I had heard that he had beat it, which is pretty freaking awesome, if you ask me. Uh, good for him, if that's the case. But apparently he used to drink a lot, and that affected his fighting. But it seems like he's put that behind him. Um, also, people generally in agreement that Grant shouldn't be minus 300 in this fight, uh, which is where he sits right now. No no real outliers here. This is a, this is a quick one, but consensus picks, people believe... It's Davy Grant. Uh, I heard one person take Smolka, but everybody's on Grant basically saying they either won't play him or they'll play him by KO because of the line. And then also a lot of people like fight doesn't go the distance here. Both of these guys tend to fight uh, at a pretty high pace, come at each other, throw potential submissions if it can get to the ground. And so that makes sense to me. Uh, in this fight, I mean, any fight could be a time where fighters back off and a fight that you think is going to finish goes to decision. But of all the fights on the card, I think this is one of the better ones to think that it's going to get finished one way or the other. And so I probably like fight doesn't go the distance the most. Um, I, I'll look at Grant for parlays. I don't like the minus 300 a lot easy either, but especially as you get deeper into the parlays, throwing in a minus 300 isn't the worst thing. And from everything that I, I've been listening to and the way that Grant's been performing lately, I think it's I think he'll win. So if I'm going to put anybody into a parlay, it's going to be him. And then for long shots, I will look at like a Grant KO um, or even Grant KO one. All right. The co-main event is Ryan Superman Span versus Iwan Kutalava. The Hulk. I don't even know if that's his official nickname or not. But that's one of the things people talk about. Kutalava wears green body paint. You can go look up some pictures. It's pretty cool. Um, it He really is the Hulk. That would be funny if he got to wear the paint in the cage. What everyone's saying here, other than the green body paint, is that Ryan Spann's just been a disappointment, given his athletic gifts. This guy has super long arms. He's very athletic, but he just hasn't been able to put it together uh, over the course of his career. He basically has one round. He has the potential to snatch up a submission, the potential to knock Kutalaba out. Um, but most people just believe it won't happen. Kutalaba's 28 years old improving a lot um the the big knock against him was that he was gassing out after a round and that obviously is problematic but many people talked about how he's been wor working with coach eric nixick and uh has him fighting in a much smarter way now um pacing himself a little not just going crazy if he gets any kind of position but but picking his spots a little bit better my hope is that he'll still keep the aggression um even if he reigns it in a little bit um that leads to the outlier, which is a couple people like Kutalaba by decision here, as they believe he's going to continue to fight slower and smarter. And uh, the decision prop, I think, is minus 600, minus 650. So if you think there's a, a shot there, that's a really great line. Uh, so I, I can't say anything against that. Consensus picks in this one, Kutalaba and fight doesn't go the distance. Now, again, there's these, these things in the water out there about the potential decision here. And so that's why I would say that this is not as sure a thing to not go to decision as Grant and Smoka, though I do tend to side. I mean, if Span, if Span gasses and Kutalaba doesn't, Kutalaba should find a way to get him out of there. Um, so my picks, I kind of go along with the crowd here. I, I think Kutalaba is the side and the fight doesn't go the distance, feels okay. Um, the thing that scares me is if, if it turns into more of a staring contest, but We'll hope Kutalaba keeps some of the aggression here and ultimately gets the finish at some point. 
And then the main event, Jan, former champion, Blockowicz versus Rakic. Pretty consistent takes here. A lot of the cappers or analysts will go into a lot deeper dive on the main event. So there's a lot more said about this one. If you want to get kind of more in-depth, you could definitely go pull up um, Dan Tom's Protect Your Neck, uh, Dan Levy, um, Half the Battle, Dogger Pass, Die Hard MMA, um, whatever. There's a, there's a bunch of, bunch of good ones out there if you want more in-depth breakdowns. But generally what people are saying here is Jan's older now, um, and the big potential problem is he may not be over a neck injury. Um, apparently, he had a problem with three discs in his neck, and which podcast was it on? I want to say it was on Half the Battle, the guest who was on there, but can't, he had a, a funny name. I can't remember, not his real name, his, his handle name. Check it out. I, I don't remember what his name was right now. Um, but he had just said how he had had a, a problem with one disc in his neck and how painful that was and how long it took to heal. It's problematic that he, um, tapped out so quick against Glover, uh, just because it maybe was coming from neck pain. And then two months ago, he pulled out of the fight due to, uh, a neck injury. And so even though he says he's healthy here, it's pretty hard to believe. And, and I would, as evidence of that, I would also, go to Dan Tom, who really doesn't like the injury narratives. He basically says, you know, if people get to the cage and they can fight, they're good to go. But he said he even he is potentially buying in a little bit to this this issue that Jan might have a problem with his neck. And if he does, that's obviously a, a big problem, because if he gets hit once or twice or kicked in the head, um, even if he stays conscious, uh, that could cause him big issues. In terms of just some other things people would say on this fight, it's Rockets can be exciting, but he hasn't been lately. He tends to fight, fight slow and cal calculated. The way people talk about him reminds me of Ankalaev. Um, I don't enjoy watching Ankalaev fight, and you can call me, you know, whatever, that I don't like slow, methodical fighters necessarily. But Ankalaev, there is, in the, the fights recently that I've seen, just almost no action. And that's what I hear when I pe hear people talk about Rocket. He's big and athletic and would have this ability to come in and put people away and do all these different things, but he generally just doesn't do them. And so a lot of people will say they don't expect this to be an exciting fight. The other thing that you have to absolutely have to throw in is you have to say Polish power at some point. Um, you can say anything about it that you want to, but you have to reference it. It's it's a requirement. So I did it. There it is. Outliers on this one, not much. Um, I heard a couple people talk about how Jan could win, but they sounded half-hearted to me. Consensus picks are Rockich and the over two and a half. My take is the one way Rockich doesn't make sense to me, other than Jan getting you know that one big shot and getting a KO is if they end up fighting like Esparza and Rose did. And I don't think that's probable, but I don't think it's impossible. After listening to people talk about these two fighters and the way that they tend to approach fights, I think it's possible that they stand there and look at each other a lot of the time. Maybe also sort of like Tiago Santos has fought recently. And if that happens, it could go to decision. And if it goes to decision, I think there's a decent chance that it could go to Jan, especially if it's close. Uh, he's pretty beloved and a former champion. And so that would be the other thing that worries me. Um, the thing that worries me about taking the over two and a half here 
is the potential neck issues for Jan. That's that's my I know that either of them could get knocked out, blah, 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 whatever. But but I think it might be more likely that he gets hurt in another way that would cause this fight to end early. So I will be taking Rockets here. I think that he's a decent spot. I mean, I think um I think from what I've looked at and what other people are saying, I think he wins more than where he's lined, which is minus 182 right now. That number is is going up a little bit. Um, but even up to minus 200, I feel okay about it. And then I might look at small plays on Rockets in round four and five. Um, and I will also look at the over two and a half here as I think it has a better chance of hitting than not. All right. That is the UFC roundup uh, for UFC Vegas 54. You can find me on Twitter at NBA attack. Uh, would appreciate, you know, comments. Uh, let me know what your favorite fights are, favorite spots, bets are for this card. Hopefully we can, can uh, follow up a good week last week with another one this week uh, and make some more money. Appreciate, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, give it a thumbs up. Obviously uh, appreciate that stuff. Unless you say this is the worst video I've ever watched. And then you probably don't want to give it a thumbs up because you'd be lying. And I understand. All right, everybody have a good afternoon and we'll see you on Twitter.